I'm Jeff Hakeem, founder of MCM Wealth. Welcome to our podcast today. We do these podcasts to advise families, business owners, and health professionals. Our approach is to build customized portfolios for each client while offering comprehensive financial planning services. Thank you for joining us today on this educational journey designed to protect your future. Hello and welcome to the MCM Podcast. I'm Wendy McConnell. Today we have Kirk Lowry, Portfolio Strategist at MCM and Managing Member of Advisable Wealth Engines. Hi, Kirk. How are you? Hey, Wendy. I'm doing really well. Now we are in, yeah, I guess the latter half of the year and we are already talking about next year. You know, you get my age and... Uh It's just stunning. I mean, here we are, you know, coming on uh, in the last quarter of the year. And if uh, you caught me maybe in a in a less uh, aware moment, I might think it could be 2015. Time's <laughs> gone by so fast. Yeah, it so, does. So yeah, it's it's it is amazing. But that, that's how we mark our time, and hopefully, in marking our time, we have some wonderful things happening in our lives. But it's coming along pretty fast. <laughs> Okay, so as the next year is kind of right around the corner, uh, what are some of the documents we need to review in order to prep for next year? This category of planning, of awareness, let's say, of the calendar is all around our financial health and our financial wealth as well. And, you know, it's just the kind of thing that, so often gets put aside. And we've talked before in these podcasts, Wendy, about an analogy that I like to use in terms of financial health and our uh, personal health as having the same type of context and sometimes the same type of impact on our future. And again, I think this is a useful way to, to start this discussion here. When we feel something in our bodies that's going awry, either a symptom or something we just don't feel well, you know, we have markers that we say, okay, well, maybe I should take some medication, maybe I should rest, maybe I should eat better, maybe I should exercise, or maybe I should go to the doctor. And it's just a natural way that we've been trained to think about. And, you know, to a certain extent, people that are on schedules, like students, as an example, there again, trained to sort of mark their time by the calendar so they know when you're getting into let's say now october november you've got midterms and you got finals and so these things just sort of naturally happen but for a lot of people once you get into the adult world and the grind of what goes on day after day the the matter of the, the checkup of saying where am i relative to our financial health often gets lost And then we come around to, let's say, December 31st. And we realize, oh, my goodness, the year is over. I wonder what's going to happen next year. And unfortunately, for a lot of the things that can have some real meaning to us, like how much we pay in taxes, it's too late. And then we have regret. So this whole part of the process is a bit of a training exercise to use the calendar to signal to us that it's time just to see where we're at. And we can think of this question just the way we would look at, is it time for me to you know, have my annual physical? 
you know, that kind of thing. It's just a matter of, of uh, a, a discipline, I suppose. And so when we think about what we need to check, there are really three things. There's the wealth plan, a financial plan, and an investment plan. And at MCM Wealth, these are three discrete documents, but they are three documents telling the same story. And they have each a different purpose as we go. And there's also a, a bit of a sequence, we would say. You have you know, the wealth plan that leads into defining the investment plan that in the outcome of the investment plan fills in how we need to understand what our financial plan is. So that's how we would start this process, the review process. So what's the difference between these documents and how do they relate to one another? Well, let's begin with the wealth plan. This is the big mamba of the document because it really captures our needs, wants, and aspirations from, let's say, today. And if done right, really through our own deaths into our children and grandchildren. So it has that gravitas that's so important. And it is, should establish, at least, certain markers in our life that we need to attend to. Uh, these would be maybe the reviewing things that we would look at periodically every few years, but nonetheless are there. But this is the document that sets in motion everything. We can almost think of it like the blueprint of putting together a big office tower as an example. And in the wealth plan, we're looking at things like our investments, our assets and property, our values, our life situation, and our aspirations. These are the things that should be most evident in the wealth plan. The, the financial plan is related to the wealth plan, but it has a much shorter focus. It's, it's sort of that on-the-ground document that says, okay, how much income are we bringing in? How much are we spending? And what do I need to anticipate over the next couple of years? And the reason the financial plan is different than the wealth plan is a financial plan, we can be pretty accurate in estimating our income and our expenses. Certainly our expenses looking three years out will maybe increase because of inflation, but we can predict pretty closely what those would be. The wealth plan's different. When we think of an aspiration of a second home in Europe or something like that, the wonders of those kinds of things that we do, and maybe it's 10 years out, we really don't know how much it will cost us. We can certainly put an estimate there, and we have to put an estimate there. There's a lot of things in the world that can go on between now and 10 years that could dramatically increase how much that ultimately would cost or possibly even decrease it, or maybe even where we would end up wanting to be for in the future versus where we think we would want to be now. So the estimation error for our wealth plan is much greater. And it's that combination of being attentive to the wealth plan and where we want to go, but really mindful of the financial plan and how much we're spending. And then the last one is the investment plan. The investment plan is the document. We can think of it as our a brokerage statement, our investment statements that we get monthly. And it's essentially what it is that we own. That's not specifically property, but investments that could be things such as how much we have in our checking accounts, money market accounts for the short-term horizon. As we talked before, 
uh, Wendy about our time horizon investing structure to investments that are, you know, in a midterm where they should have some growth, but also keep from having big losses. And then our growth portfolio, that's stocks and private stocks, public stocks, all the things that we're really looking to set us up for a much more attractive future because of the growth that we anticipate in those investments. So those are the three discrete documents. They each have a unique purpose, but again, they have a continual flow and reflecting back on the other documents. So the investment plan's results reflect back on the wealth plan. The financial plan reflects back on the wealth plan and the wealth plan ultimately changes and that flows as inputs into the other. So we want to think of it as an integrated system that has three discrete parts to it. So that's why they need to be three separate with different focuses rather than just one plan. Yes. Okay. What's the best way to actually get ready? Well, this is, I would call it Saturday morning work. You know, we pick a Saturday morning, you know, maybe we get up early or whatever, and we go to our file cabinets or maybe to the folder in our computer, and we just get out our plans. (laughs) Hopefully this is happening throughout the year, but as I said, it's not yet that disciplined, but certainly now coming into the last quarter, we want to do that. And so in this Saturday morning work, we get out our wealth plan and we review it. And, you know, that process is, is really essential because we don't want to be surprised in what we forgot that's in that wealth plan. <laughs> so that's important. The other thing is we want to get out a financial plan, which is, you know, basically, you know, looking at our budget and how that goes. We'll talk about that in a minute. And these written plans are written for a purpose. They're memorialized so we can do this kind of review. And ultimately, in that possible surprise about what we had forgotten, or maybe there's things that we, in retrospect, didn't forget, but maybe we don't quite understand, we need to mark those. Because at MCM, we believe that an informed and educated client ultimately has the greatest peace of mind as it relates to their financial health as they go along than someone that's not informed. So we want to encourage that. We want to be assisting and allowing that understanding as it goes along. And it kind of just reflects about what we just talked about. I mean, life just moves fast, you know, and here we are, you know, in 2023 and it's October and, you know, it's hard to think about how quickly things have gone the last three years. And And sometimes we just haven't marked the things that are important in our lives in a way that we need to start planning for. Mm, That doesn't sound like a fun Saturday morning, though, Kirk. Now, come on. (laughs) Well, I suppose it depends. But, yeah, there might be some surprises that make it also a Sunday morning activity. (laughs) Right. So what is the number one preparation task? Well, in the context of not a lot of fun, it's really that budget evaluation. Mm. I'm a big believer in budgets. And we understand this because companies and governments around the world operate in budgets. And they are essential. We need to use them to guide us. It's probably the most informative document that exists for any individual company or government is the budget. The difference with individuals 
is too often a budget is looked upon as an impediment because there's an amount that's associated with something. And oftentimes that amount is looked upon as a restriction. And we don't like to be restricted when we want to go out to the mall or we're looking at cars and we want to get what we want, right? Mm -hmm. That's not really the right way to look at it because a budget, while it does have those amounts, the first thing those amounts tell us is what are our priorities? And the first priority is we got to pay our bills. And those are things obviously for housing and shelter and, and food and all those. We have to pay our bills. If we don't pay our bills, you can have a lot of wealth. And if you don't attend to your bills, then you can have a lot of problems in your life. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is we have our wants and aspirations. Some of those are near term, like I want to do go on vacation this year or next year. Other things are longer term. I want a certain type of retirement. I want to send my kids to a certain type of school, whatever. And if we're not putting money against those aspirations as a budget item, in other words, it's not spending in the context as we think about it right now, but it is funding what's going on in the future. If we're not allocating or budgeting for that funding, then we can have all the wonderful aspirations we want, but when time comes to have that money, there's a good chance it's not going to be there. And so we start off the year, presumably putting amounts to those budgets. We use our last year's experience as, in, as information in, in, in putting together this coming year's plan. And we just track it. We see where we are. If we're on track, we're thrilled. If we're off track, we don't beat ourselves up over that. We say, okay, how is that informing us? If I'm spending less, then why is that? Is it maybe something's just less expensive? Or maybe it's just no longer as important. But mostly it comes down to where am I spending more than I expected? And this comes down to the matter of if I'm spending more than I'm planning somewhere that gap has to be filled. And for wealthy people, as I'll mention in a moment, that is not so much of an issue, but for the merely wealthy, the affluent, if you start taking money that otherwise is expected to fund retirement or the type of college and things like that in your budget, and you're using that money to fill a gap of something, for example, on vacations or clothing or gifts or whatever, those dollars are taken out of the future to pay for the present. And that can create a, a, a silent crisis down the road. And the reason is that we're not just taking out a nominal dollar to pay for this gap, but we're taking out a, a compounding dollar that we were expecting to grow over maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And it's being taken out. So we lose not just the nominal dollar, but we lose the compounded effect of that dollar. And it's silent because it's easy to just move money around in an account from my retirement account or my college funding account or whatever it is to pay for my, my better car or my better vacation. And that's okay if you can adjust it. But if you don't proactively look at that and say, okay, did I do this rationally? Then you're going to find this. So that budget evaluation is so essential. Let me say one thing about very wealthy people. Uh, wealthy families don't need to worry about 
the budget per se. Generally, they have more than enough income. They're in that privileged position that that money is just generally not spent. It's just invested. But a budget tells our priorities. Even very wealthy people have priorities. It might be big philanthropic projects. It might be setting up a family bank for children and grandchildren to allow them to explore their entrepreneurial interests and so forth. And it's not that they won't have the money, but the question is, will they have as much as they'd like if they have particular passions that they want to pursue? Is it better for their passions that they have $2 million versus a $1 million? $2 million might be available because they budgeted for it and they can give more. So budgets are useful on all sorts of purposes. Maybe the intent is a little bit shifted, the wealthier you are, but they're very important. And that's so, what we really want to look at. When you say budget, then you're saying specifically setting aside money each week, month, what have you, toward a certain goal. A goal, also a need. We would say bills, yes. Bills and shelter and food and so things are needs. Then there are wants, which might be a car every two or three years. And then there are aspirations. And aspirations, I associate more with that word goal. You know, it's something that we'd really like to do, but if we aren't able to get it, it's not going to affect our life as it is if we don't fund our needs and maybe some of our wants. But that's just more of a definitional term that I have. Gotcha. What is the number two priority to focus on for next year? There's a lot of elements of our wealth plan that go beyond just money. There are things, like I say, they always relate to money, but in terms of, let's say, spending and writing checks. For example, we pay taxes. Now, if we're employed, a lot of our taxes are withheld from our income. Uh, if we have investments, some of those taxes are not withheld because they are uh, growing unrealized in what are called capital gains and things like that. But if we've incurred some losses this year in our investments, we can use those losses to offset some of our gains. If we wait until December 31st, we don't have that opportunity to take advantage of, to make our money more efficient. If we do this now, we go and talk to our accountant and say, here's where I'm at. Let's layer where I'm at now to what I might be able to do in these next three months to make my money more efficient, which might mean pay less in taxes. The other option is maybe I'm, uh, I have an opportunity to shift some income, maybe a bonus or something like that, or the sale of a property, and I can shift it into next year where because I might be retiring, I have a lower tax bracket. So we can look at the opportunity to shift income into the next year. Same thing with charitable deductions and so on and so forth that allow us with our tax advisor, our accountant, to start planning for that. Another example, you know, you live in the New Jersey coast, right? So there's a sensitivity, as you were telling me about the storm that's on its way, of the potential for flooding. Right. Well, certain parts of this country, Florida being one, California being another, you know, our home insurance is a question we want to evaluate. Uh, in certain parts of the country, uh, home prices have, have skyrocketed, but also maybe the, the, the uh, risk of natural disaster. 
So we want to make sure that we our home insurance amounts are tuned to those two realities. The other thing is in states like Florida, our home insurance premiums may be way, way more than we are uh, at budgeted going into 2024. We may have to shop for an entirely new insurance provider because a lot of carriers are getting out of those markets. So these things are important. Talk to your property and casualty insurance advisor. If you got a big bonus or you sold a chunk of stock or maybe you exercise some options and now you are in that wonderful position of having some wealth, additional wealth, and you're still working and your family's relying on you, you might want to check with your life insurance uh, advisor to see whether you want to bump up your life insurance death benefit because of this increased in income or increase your disability premium payments in case you know you're injured or become ill. So these are things that are just important to do because as we said, life changes, life moves on and nothing is static and we can't treat it as that or we're going to find ourselves in possibly a bad situation. Okay. What is the next task on the list? Well, the third thing is to look at our investment portfolio. This is a really important task because at MCM, we believe that a client's portfolio should reflect them as individuals. As I like to say, when you look at your statement, can you see you in your investments? And what I mean by that is you might have a particular passion about something in the world that you want to affect and you want to invest in companies that fulfill that. You might have a particular uh, intrigue about cryptocurrency and or you know, some of these newer things that are happening in our world, or you might have some certain fears about the world and you want to have investments that are going to protect you. You should be able to look at who you are as a person. Maybe we would say who your family is as a family and the values and the things that you you look forward to and that you fear. And then look into your portfolio and say, yes, my portfolio is reflecting me. And if you go through your portfolio and you see investments and you don't really know the role or purpose of that investment, that's a problem. And it's something to get to know. So go through that. Look at your investments and say, I have investment X because this is filling a role for me, uh, maybe in my uh, midterm horizon that I have coming up that I need to fund, or maybe it's because of, as I said, a passion and interest or whatever. Can you articulate what's in your investment portfolio sufficient that you know why each investment has been made for you? What would you say number four would be then? Well, this is the counter to our aspirational list that is reflected in our wealth plan. Uh, we have worries. Some people are naturally wired to worry. Other people have worry because they have reason to worry. <laughs> we we want to list our worries <laughs> in a worry list. Okay. And it might be just what's happening on that Saturday morning before you, you know, you start doing this review work, you get on the internet or you, if you are old school and you go out to the driveway and get your newspaper and you look at the headlines and you say, oh, my goodness, you know, the Fed is looking at another interest rate hike. OK, so you start worrying about these things. But generally, it's more substantive than that. We have worries. Sometimes we push them back into our mind. 
Sometimes they're not my worries, but there might be my spouse's worries or my family's worries. We have to look at this collectively and say, what's on our worry list? Because if your advisor is doing their job, they should take your worry list and mitigate it. What I mean by mitigating is you not, may not necessarily be able to remove a worry, but you can remove the risk of that worry or lessen the risk of that worry. Some things you might be able to remove just by shifting investments. If you have an anxiety about something or you're fearful that you're missing out on some great new thing like you know, what's happening in artificial intelligence and you feel like you're missing out on investing there. So those kinds of fears and anxiety should be on your worry list. So list them out. And then that becomes a topic of discussion at your planning meeting, the next go around. You should be able to look again into your investments, into your wealth plan and say, what is written here attends to something that is on my worry list or was on my worry list. Because the ultimate objective, again, is to bring peace of mind and comfort. What is the final task on the list to prepare for next year? This task, number five, is a test as to how much we have internalized what it is that we've been told and how we've planned and how we've executed so after I've done this review, it's useful to say, okay, maybe you open up a document or maybe you, know, you set up an email and you type out in bullet statements, summaries of what your wealth plan is intending to do, what your financial plan is relative to where you thought it would be at the start of the year, where it is now, what your aspirations are, what your worries are and so forth. Put those in bullet statements list investments and summarize in a statement what each investment is. Do this from memory, because in doing it from memory, it will help you know how much you've internalized what it is. It will be on your mind. And the reason it's important to be on your mind is really the main purpose of this fifth step. And that is to sit down and talk to your family, obviously your spouse being the first, to say, here's where we are. How would you adjust for this? What's on your worry list? Did I accurately capture it? Or here's where we're spending money. We need to talk about this and get this back to where we thought it would be. For mom and dad that are older, maybe, you might set up a meeting with your adult children to talk about where you are and what you want and how you're envisioning the legacy that you will leave for them or how you would like for it to be handled and supported during your aging years when you need health support and what you'd like to do and how you'd like to engage your family in that. Make that a task and do it soon enough that if there's something that has changed in your family, in the broader aspect of your family, sometimes that's just the nuclear family, mom and dad and the kids, maybe the grandkids, sometimes it includes you know, nieces and nephews and important friends. So let me just define it, you know, in that broader way. But think about what that is. And then insofar as you're able to financially to give that context some influence for your broader family and possibly do something about it, talk about it. So that can be part then as you layer in 
for 2024 what your new plan, the updated plan will look like in the year forward as that it plays out over time. And as you put all of this together, you should be good as gold, right, Kirk? Well, hopefully there's gold. <laughs> that, that's really good. But certainly, going back to what we started with, Wendy, it's a discipline. And we need to start treating our financial health like our medical health. And we need to set markers in our life and make it something that we're just not outsourcing to an advisor and making it out of sight, out of mind. We need to be engaged in this. We need to be in a partnering role with our advisors, not in some sort of a hierarchical, somewhat subservient role where we do everything our advisor does or tells us to do, excuse me. No, it can't be like that. It needs to be much more of a partnership, a team orientation. The old way where your broker would trade for you and have discretion and you realize three years later it was happening or your attorney would set up your will and, and you wouldn't think about it. You know, you can't do that anymore. The world is just too complex. You need to be too engaged. And all of those elements of, of how we want to view ourselves and our family. And that's how we want to put it together. Let's make the time on the Saturday morning in October to start the process. And let's be engaged so that we, as informed and educated clients, can go into the next year and the coming years with peace of mind and comfort. How does that sound? And less worry. Less worry is a good thing. Yes, always a good thing. Thank you so much, Kirk. We appreciate you uh, being here and giving us all of this information. Appreciate it, Wendy. Always enjoy these discussions. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. This is Jeff Hakeem again. Thank you for listening to this episode of our MCM Wealth Podcast. Please click the follow button to be notified of new episodes as they become available. Also, please visit our website at www.mcmwealth.com or call me on my direct line at 415-299-6574. So you and I can have an initial discussion. We look forward to learning about you.